Welcome to Let's Play Business. Welcome to Let's Play Business, the show that explores how games can make people better at business and business better for people. Welcome to the show. So this episode, we're switching things up a little bit for you. It's actually a bonus episode where we're going to be taking a bit of a deeper look at the business problems of the day and uh, seeing how games might be able to help those. And then finally, we'll be taking a look at one of the historical Game My Problems to spend more than 60 seconds having a go at unpicking that, seeing if we can come up with a slightly better solution to it. So, Zuki, welcome back. How you doing? What you been business in? What you been gaming? Welcome back, Ben. Welcome back. Good to see you as well. Kind of weird not having a guest here today, but um, I think you and I can carry this. Let's see. What have I been business in and what have I been gaming? I think I mentioned last episode we've started our christmas planning and what have i been gaming uh recently been cracking out a bit of the old overcooked too a classic couch co-op game the best couch co-op game and yeah i've been making some damage and uh making some meals if anyone who hasn't played overcooked 2 i can't recommend it enough it really tests your ability to just work together i think that people should use it in interviews if i'm totally honest but the idea is that you basically just have to work together in really badly designed kitchens to cook some really complex meals and hilarity ensues it's really fun it's a great test of friendship that game as well you either both find it hysterical and laugh or you end up hating each other it's kind of one or the other really and overcooked if anything i think this is an upcoming contender for a game of the decade what about you ben what have you been gaming and what have you been businessing boom i was waiting for you to say that <laughs> so on the the businessing side of things just continuing to just fight radical market uncertainty it's a treat really no it's still an interesting time we expected this maybe big September bang of lots of people going back to the office and lots of demand for more in-person things but I'd say that that's still not quite happened we are seeing a very gradual increase in demand for more face-to-face -face experiences but it's still very gradual and I think I've come to realize that actually that there is not going to be a big bang and it is going to be this very slow gradual process because when it comes to your individual choices of what restaurants you want to go to or if you want to go out or whatever it might be you know that is your choice ultimately and on your head be it but for a company to say right you've all got to come in the office now regardless of current case rates of covid or whatever it might be it's a big statement and businesses don't really uh, enjoy lawsuits too much so i think there's just still a lot of uncertainty there a lot of people still trying to work out what the hybrid working is going to look like so you know, we do what we always do, try and diversify our income. It sounds more sophisticated than it actually is, but yeah, just try and find cash from other sources. A continuation of the theme of basically the last six months, but I thought maybe that theme would have passed by now, but it's still very much with us, I would say. You know what they say, Ben? Smooth seas never made a skilled sailor. So if nothing else, you are learning to sail, my friend. Learning to sail. <laughs> if nothing else, I could easily cross the Atlantic now. Absolutely. So that's what I've been businessing. On the gaming front, I haven't been playing masses, if I'm honest. The main thing is a gaming angle from the business side, just because we've been releasing some new games and the like, and, and we've recently released our 
puzzle seasons. It's a series of games, like a season, spread out over 12 weeks. Multiple episodes of puzzle solving that you tune in for. You can solve in between episodes. Cliffhangers like you've never seen before. You know, puts Game of Thrones to shame, which after season eight was not hard. I'm looking forward to it. It is a little bit different to other types of games that we've done, and I'm looking forward to this kind of little and often episodic formats rather than like the big event games and those kind of things. So, see, that's what I've been gaming. Our own games, our own company games. Nice. If that isn't how to plug your own business, then I don't know what is. <laughs> Level one, boardroom meets the board game. Sozuki, brand new round for this bonus episode. How are you feeling about it? Boardroom meets the board game. I'm feeling excited. So in this round, Zuki, we're going to have a bit of a chin wag about a big business issue of the day. And there's one in particular that I've selected for this. We're going to have a bit of a chat about how games might be able to help people tackle that business issue. Now, the business issue of the day uh, that we've selected for this bonus episode is hybrid working. So listener, I should imagine you and possibly quite a few others you know may be familiar with this term that everyone loves now. We're all moving to hybrid working as if flexible working never existed before. But of course, whilst yes, it did exist before, it's likely to exist on a slightly larger scale, uh, a lot more people doing it. And there's a lot of conundrums that that has brought. There's a lot of fear of how we're going to make sure everyone feels involved and included. Are we going to recruit remote only roles now? Do we still need people living in the area like that can commute so you know it's this whole can of worms that's opened up everywhere and i would say for the last 12 months i don't think i've seen any consistent definition of hybrid working hybrid meetings all of these things i haven't seen any consistency in it yet so i think it's very much a issue that a lot of people are grappling with at the moment Has, does this resonate at all zuki have you seen this within your business absolutely these are conversations that we are having on the daily as you say it is it is a very current problem that is very very wide reaching the interesting thing about hybrid is and I almost resent the term because it makes it sound more complicated than it necessarily is you know what we mean is people working a combination of from home and from the office there's a lot of focus on how many days will we allow people to work from home versus in the office you know that's all, all valid debates but less conversation maybe around what kind of things would you do in the office versus at home and also in particular when it comes to meetings which is obviously a big part of a lot of companies and organizations. How is it going to work when you have some people joining remotely and some people in the meeting in person? Because I don't know about you, Zuki, but I've definitely been there in the past where I've been in an in-person meeting. So say I've been there in person, there's been four of us, and then there's a laptop plonked in the middle of the table and someone is speaking on Skype or now MS Teams and whatever else people use. You know, they're on that laptop in the middle of the table. So they're theoretically involved in the conversation but you basically don't hear a peep from them is that a scenario that you've seen at all oh 100 and i think that just because of the way the technology works like if we're sat in a room together we can all read each other's cues we kind of know when who's about to speak and when whereas when you're on the screen i think sometimes it's just a bit difficult to get a word in edgeways or things might be shared or presented or pointed towards which are off screen off camera so you do find that that it does create a natural two-tier system which is quite difficult to deal with but i also think you make a very fair point about like the reason we're having this conversation to begin with is that people are finding that they can be just as effective in some areas, if not more effective, working from home. The question you ask is a good one. What is it about working in an office 
that makes an office something that we want to keep as businesses and as individuals. But what is it that's so effective about working on your own at home? And how do you blend those two worlds of work to get the best of both? Yeah, in particular, I'm really curious to see how people tackle this meeting element of it. And I know that's a very specific part, but meetings are like a big part of collaboration, how people work together. Um, and I think this was always a problem before, that like laptop in the middle of the room thing, that was always an issue. But because maybe working from home and flexible working wasn't as strongly adopted before, it was just, don't need to deal with this issue. Whereas now it's super front and center, like you can't just ignore it. And whilst I do think that It'll be all the usual things like, yeah, well, we need like a better speaker so that it's good audio quality for the people that are joining remotely and all those, you know, all, all valid things. I think that people need to really think about like the structures of these meetings. And this is where games can really help because what there is a risk of, and I've seen this a little bit already in some of the ways people have said, this is how you run hybrid. Really, the focus there is inclusion, but the focus is not on engagement. And I think that's going to create a problem because what that means is, yes, theoretically, these five people virtually are included in this meeting, but they don't feel engaged with the meeting. And so you're still gonna get that problem of people just not really participating in the way that you want them to. And I think this is actually where I wanna talk about games because some of the best meetings that I've been in are ones where they have a little bit of structure to them. Now, I don't mean like a really stifling, intense structure. I just mean like the most basic of outline of a structure where it says, you know, an agenda is a structure. And when I think of what we'll be doing internally, this is one of the routes into ensuring that everyone feels engaged in these meetings. And ultimately that is what games are. They're structures. They create structures so people have permission to participate within that structure. And there was an analogy I was told, if you put sheep in a field and you don't put a boundary around them, they will huddle together. So they won't explore the boundaries. Whereas if you put a fence around them, they will go up to the very limit of that fence. They will explore within the boundaries and that's what you want. And that fence is the structure and that's the same in a game. And we already do this in our team meetings, luckily. We have quite a gamified structure. We use a virtual whiteboard where we have this racetrack and each person is moving along that racetrack based on small things like arrival time, but also participation in the meeting, icebreaker answers, everything else. Now we haven't tried that hybrid yet to be fair, but I think with a little bit of tweaking, we can make sure that those team meeting games do a really good job of keeping everyone included. And I think there are also a few games in particular that we've mentioned on previous episodes that I think are good games to think about when it comes to making sure that these things do engage people. I think it's the previous episode we talked about Werewolf. Werewolf is like a role-playing game Everyone kind of has a role within that game. There might be a werewolf, there might be a villager. There's a few other roles. Villagers are trying to make sure they kill the werewolves. Werewolves are trying to kill all the villagers off. And you're accusing people accordingly on who you think is one or the other. Everyone in that game has a role. They know their role. And so they feel empowered to act within the space of that role. And I think that's a really useful lesson for like particularly meetings in a hybrid capacity. How are we ensuring that everyone in these meetings has a role and a valuable contribution where without it, the game, or the meeting rather, would fall apart. That was certainly one of the points of interest of Werewolf for me. I think that's a really interesting one. Do you think with that, that instead of creating a game structure in the traditional sense, you know, having like a points board or whatever, 
Are you saying if you're inviting people to a meeting in a hybrid capacity where you've got different people on screen and versus in the room, everyone around that table needs to be there for a purpose. Like make sure that the meeting is actually valuable to everyone in the room because then they will naturally want to be engaged. I say in the room, in the room and not in the room as the case may be. Kind of. I mean, I will always advocate use of a gamified structure for any event or occasion, however small a gamified structure. But even without that, as you say, is making sure that everyone has a purpose when they're coming to that meeting. But it still is a little bit further than that. It's making people feel empowered to express that purpose within the meeting. On a very practical level, you can do that in so many ways. Some people might have done that thing where you wear like a different coloured hat and it means you're playing like a different role in the meeting, particularly for ideas-based meetings where one of you has to play the role of like the cynic. Someone else plays the role of, you know, the optimist and the ideas person and like the finance, but you know, whatever it might be. It can be as simple as that and no one's going to nail it in their first meeting on this, but I just think we need to move away from just kind of rolling into these meetings, being like, yeah, yeah, laptops in the middle of the table. There you go, they're included, we're all good. What's the problem? <laughs> I think that's a very good point, Ben, because I've been on the, the face on the screen, on the laptop on the table, and struggled with just getting a word in edgeways. And one thing that game shows do really well, which is probably a lesson we can take here, is like buzzers and things. It's just there to get people's attention. But that's the kind of thing that you need to normalize. If I just show up in a meeting for the first time with some people who I work with, and I start like making weird noises out of the laptop, they're gonna think I'm weird. But if that's like normalized as like, if you need to get the room's attention, sound your buzzer, that will help with giving people the opportunity to sort of interject in ways that they wouldn't be able to if they were in the room. It's kind of like level the playing field in that way. Yeah, definitely. And as far as I'm concerned, and buzzers in meetings should 100% be normalized. If it can work for University Challenge, it can work for anyone, let's be real. <laughs> you know what, related to this, Suki, I'm curious, have you been to any hybrid events? Have you been to any yet? I have, I actually went to a hybrid networking event. It was a panel debate on disruptive brands and what makes a disruptive brand. Yeah, it was quite interesting. And did you join remotely or in person? I was there in person. All the attendees were in person, but the panel was hybrid. Oh, I see. So you were all there in person, so you were watching screens, I suppose? There was a screen with two people on it, and then there was four other people on the panel. Were any attendees joining virtually, or was it purely in-person attendees with virtual viewing? No, I think about it, there were virtual attendees, but they were not involved. They were not given the opportunity to ask questions. They were very much listeners. That is so interesting because you've got an event there where actually the, the power almost lies with the virtual setup because your panel is there virtually. And yet despite that, the emphasis was placed on the face-to-face -face attendees in terms of engagement. I've been to a few hybrid events now as well and my experience is pretty mixed, mostly bad. The last one I joined was in person, but I felt so sorry for the people that had joined remotely because you could tell that they had just been forgotten about. And it's interesting because I think if that happens too much, like it'll really damage the reputation of these kind of events in the long run. And I do think this is where games can have a lot of value. And even little things like, say you've got networking booths within these events that help virtual and in-person people network, give people a reason or topics to talk about, just like little icebreaker questions or, or little cards. And then, you know, you could even rate people's answers and have a scoreboard of like, who's got the most thumbs up because their answers were so good on their icebreakers. Really simple games that give people a reason to talk and provide them with a really simple structure. You know, you can have treasure hunts around the event where certain things can only be found by people attending virtually and certain parts of it can only be found by people attending in person. And they have to like connect their information in some way. So you're making those connections between virtual and face-to-face. -face. It doesn't have to be a game at its core. It is a structure that makes that event more engaging for all attendees. 
Are you struggling to create a happy and connected hybrid workforce? Do you love puzzles? Of course you do. Everyone does, including every single person that you work with. Maybe it's time you signed up for Puzzle Seasons. Multimedia puzzle content delivered fortnightly as part of a 12-week-long narrative designed for hybrid teams to solve together. It's team building like you've never seen before. Before Puzzle Seasons, we had no idea how to avoid an us-and-them remote versus in-office culture. Our teams were on the brink of violence. Now, with Puzzle Seasons, our workforce is the happiest it's ever been, and I've been nominated for HR Manager of the Year Worldwide. Find out more at altexperiences.co.uk under Team Building. That's altexperiences, A-L-T, experiences.co.uk. Terms and conditions apply. Level 2. Game My Problem. Director's Cut. Welcome back, listener. Final rounds. It is, of course, Game My Problem, Director's Cut. We have taken one of the previous business problems that were sent in. And what we've done is we've taken it back to the Alternate Experiences team. We thought, you know what, we'll give this more than 60 seconds thought. And we thought, how might we actually tackle this? Obviously, not all of you will be able to remember the business problem that we're about to talk about. It was from someone called Abdul. They uh, work for a fintech and they emailed in around their recruitment challenges. And I'm sure, Zuki, that you can relate to the fact that recruitment is a tough cookie. Oh, very tough cookie. Going through it at the moment, tough cookie. We're just going to read it out for you again before we tell you a little bit about our solution. Dear Ben and Zuki, I'm having some trouble at work, and after listening to your podcast, I wonder if you can help. I run a fast-growing fintech company, and we've got a bit of a problem with our hiring process. Despite bringing on nearly 20 people in the past 18 months, our success rate is only about 50%. The main issue is that we're not hiring people who are ambitious, driven, and entrepreneurial enough to survive in a fast-growing company that faces such fierce competition. People talk the talk in an interview, but then struggle to walk the walk. I'm sure there's a way for us to use some of your game thinking to filter out the wheat from the chaff. Can you help us out? Thanks, guys. Abdul. So, to summarise, what we're getting at here is Abdul is very successful from his business point of view, but from his hiring point of view, he's having some trouble. He's trying to come up with a game that enables him to find people with the right drive and ambition to fit his culture and help his company to succeed and thrive without churning through employees that can't quite keep up. I think we can crack this. Right, so we're all now refreshed on... Abdul's challenge. Some of you might remember, was it the lemonade stand was one of them before Zuki? I seem to recall a lemonade stand. When a fintech company gives you lemons, that was the name of that game. That's the one. Now, I'm not saying that you can't go and solve your recruitment challenges with that game. I'm sure you can. But I thought we'd just throw something else into the fort pool here. A bit of hive mind from the team. When we came up with those 60 second games, the direction of travel was generally what we call a business simulation game. And to be fair, I think that is the right direction of travel for this. And that's the, the team agreed. Like A business simulation game is a good fit for a recruitment task or a recruitment game. And a business simulation game is you're simulating a scenario in a game format and in a nutshell you are put in the position of having to come up with solutions in that simulation. And what I would say with this as well is you don't necessarily need to come up with a super complicated digital game for this challenge. You can low-tech it. There are places for something more sophisticated, 
but there are often options to try a low-tech route here. It's a bit more manual, but I would say in this instance, it's definitely worth trying something a bit more manual first. The simulation game that we've come up with here. So what you're effectively asking them to do is imagine that they are starting a fintech company. And what they've got to do is they've got to present back to you, you know, how they're going to start up that company. What's their target market going to be? So they're going to pitch to you this fintech startup, which is ideally based on this particular fintech company as well. Now, of course, that's not a, a completely uncommon task, but we want you to mix it up a little bit more than that. So they go into the room, they start doing this task, but Abdul said that they need people who can respond to change of circumstances, entrepreneurial, and a big part of being entrepreneurial is, you know, responding to shifts in the market and adapting quickly. So you need to simulate that in this environment. So you need to throw things at them that are unexpected. So we are suggesting that what literally happens is you go in and you announce that there's been some kind of change of circumstance within this simulation game. So for example, you say, we were giving you £100,000. That's just been slashed. We've actually not got 50% of the funding we thought we were going to. You've now got £50,000. And you just throw that at them. And you just walk out and then you leave it. And then, you know, another five minutes passed, you go in and you throw another change of scenario at them. So it might be, oh, we know we said this was uh, one of the options for a target market, but that market's just collapsed overnight, it's just gone. So if that wasn't one of your target markets, it can't be anymore. So you want to do this like maybe two, three times max to keep them on their toes so that when they come to then pitch this company back to you, you can really start to see how they adapted to those spanners you've thrown into the works during that simulation game. That's the skill set that they want to test. If you can't deal with that within a business, you're gonna struggle, you know, you're gonna struggle to cope. So, so that is our simulation game. I didn't actually come up with a name for it, so I'm gonna name it right now. It's called uh, FinTech for Breakfast Recruitment for Tea. <laughs> That's a terrible name. That is, that is your worst name yet. No, it's definitely not. Now that's what I call FinTech. <laughs> Do you know what, Ben? It doesn't need a good name because it was an idea that good. Who needs a name? Who needs it? I like this a lot, Ben. I like what you landed on there about basically trying to simulate the stresses and the environment that they're eventually going to experience. Because Abdul mentioned that, you know, he'd lost almost half the people that he had hired. And I wonder if the reason that they were leaving was basically because when it came to experiencing it themselves, they weren't cut out for it. If you can create that experience up front, then that is way less likely to happen. One thing that I find in my experience working inside small businesses is your resources are often less than you would like them to be. What I wonder is if within this game as well, you can kind of recreate that mindset, because I think that's something that people can often struggle with, where they want you know, to operate in an ideal world where they have infinite resources. But if they have to do this presentation, but they have to do the presentation without an internet connection or something like this. So they've got access to very finite resources, only the resources that they can access on their phone or through some notes that they're given or something like this. By adding elements like that, it will make people realize like coming into this environment, things are gonna change all the time. You're not gonna have all the things that you want to have in front of you, all the luxuries that you might be used to. How do you feel about it? Like, what can you do? Can you work like this? Can you still perform? Suki, can you start trying to one-up my game? <laughs> I'm, just trying to, I'm just trying to build on it, you know? I'm just trying to... <laughs> no, you know what, Suki, you've made some fair points there. I value your contribution. So anyway, Abdul, we've given you two rounds of games. We've given you two episodes now. You've had your 60-second games, you know, the slightly more thought-through game. If you're still struggling with recruitment, oh, it's definitely not on us. That's what I'm going to say. 
<laughs> Absolutely. But I also think that what we've proven is this was yet another business example where like a lot of people might have looked at this lens through, okay, maybe we can get them to create a presentation where they tell us all the skills that they think are needed to operate in this environment. Or we can ask them a series of interview questions or assess these six competencies that we think are important. But I think this is just another example where actually just throw a game at people and you'll find that the problem solves itself. Well, Zuki, thank you for being a part of this bonus episode. Did you enjoy it? How did you cope without a third party? Honestly, Ben, it's been a slice. Thank you for having me. It's been quite good diving into some of these issues. And I'm almost beginning to think that this business that you have on your hands might just be a good idea. Almost. Almost. Five out of ten. <laughs> Five out of ten at least. Thank you very much for listening to this bonus episode of Let's Play Business. If you've got a business problem that you'd like our help with, then please email in your dilemma to letsplaybusinesspodcast at gmail.com. That's letsplaybusinesspodcast at gmail.com. Also, we'd of course love a recommendation. So if you've got a friend that hates recruitment or anything similar than that, then we'd love for you to make them aware of our podcast. All of our social media handles will be in the show notes below, as well as links to my company, Alternate Experiences, in case you want to take a peek. But for now, I've been your host, Ben Fowler. And I've been your host, Zuki. And thank you again for listening. We'll see you on the next episode.